Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Uh, recently, uh, I, I was reading a novel. This is like like two nights ago, and uh, it's one of those things. I was reading a novel, and the character asked a question, and that question really actually it changed my sermon because I already had it written out because I was on task and early. But the question really stood out to me, and um, the question was, "Don't you think the things that people are the most ashamed of?" Or the things they can't help. So don't you think the things that people are most ashamed of are the things they can't help? All right. Now, bonus points if you can figure out what novel that is. Um, I, I, I have stickers. And um, it's true. They're in my office. Um, but, but that quote, I was reading it, and, and it struck me to the quick. And I was like, huh. And, and it kind of changed my sermon a little bit um, because it says so much about human nature. Um, because there's a cloud of judgment that sits over um, many of us. Uh, so many of us carry feelings of condemnation of guilt. Um, but, but a lot of that guilt and shame is over matters that are beyond us. Uh, the way we look, our height, our general body shape, where we come from, maybe our families of origin or our cultures, or the way that we were raised, or the way we talk, or how much money we grew up around. And, and it, of course, it's a lot worse whenever um, the culture around us provides a steady diet of images and descriptions of ideals that, are, by our very nature, we'll never be able to reach. But that doesn't stop the feelings of shame and judgment. Um, and on top of that, there are things that happen to us, right, that we had little or no control over. You know, name-calling, um, random accidents, abuse, assault. Um, I, I can remember this one experience I had when I was a little boy. And I, I don't remember when it was. It was sometime before I was eight, um, but after I started school, um, because my parents uh, weren't divorced. But I remember I was at a playground, and I, I, and I was playing with some, some kids, and I heard another kid saying, now why is that Ching Chong lady watching us? And uh, now of course that lady was my mom, right? Um, she was watching us because she was watching me, because you know that's what you do. And that was the first time I can remember feeling shame because of like my ethnic identity. And, and I remember how I carried that embarrassment and how you know, it would cause me to do things like not walk with my mom at like, stores. You know, I'd always like, try to be ahead of her and like, like I'm just a five-year-old just walking through the store by myself or lag way behind, you know, acting like we didn't know each other. And of course, that fed into my mom's insecurity, her own shame, so feeling like an outsider in a strange culture. Now, uh, you might not have had an experience like mine, though I, I would say that if you've ever been part of a minority, you most likely have. Um, but all of us have had experiences where we're either made to feel shame or just carry the shame about something they can't help, about who they were. We're in the middle of a series on Ephesians, a look at how God is at work in the world and how we're called to join into his redemptive work. And so today we're digging into one of my favorite biblical passages. Um, and this passage actually was um, the, the, the biblical the text um, for the first sermon that I preached here back in September 24th, 2017. Um, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. 
And before I read it, though, I, I do want to remind you of the context of Ephesians. If you were here about a month ago when we started the series, you might remember that when Paul visited Ephesus, he, um, he tried to share at the local synagogue, but he didn't find people receptive to his message there. And so he rented some space in a lecture hall and let whoever wanted to come in, come in. And he was successful. People came to know Jesus, and he stayed there for two years, teaching anyone who was interested about the faith. But then, they had to wrestle with the question. And Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, is kind of an answer to that question. Who are they now? Because Ephesus uh, was a center for religious worship. Um, the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was there. Um, so, and the town's identity, and, and really its finances, because it was a very wealthy town, revolved around its importance as a religious trading hub. So, people that came to know Jesus, who did they belong to? Because they were no longer part of the town's identity. But if they no longer followed the gods of their people, then who were they? Because they weren't Jews. And the Jews, they had a proud history as a people specifically picked to be God's chosen people in the world. They had a strong sense of identity. Um, but what about the Gentile believers? They no longer belonged to Artemis. But who did they belong to? Where did they fit into God's plan? All right, that's the context. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and read this passage. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Therefore remember that formerly you who are the Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by human hands, Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put death to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Uh, there was something in the gospel, in the message of the gospel, that just drove the people of Ephesus to come to Christ, to abandon the gods of their community and come to the God of Israel. But here's the thing. Th those people that came to Christ, they were still outsiders um, because they, they, weren't, they weren't Jewish, right? At best, they were called God-fearers and allowed some um, but not all participation in the Jewish community, right? So they can go to the synagogue and they can participate in some of the things, but they're still considered Gentiles and uncircumcised. But also they didn't belong to their old people, right? 
They did not worship their community's gods or values. And they did not belong to the Jewish community either. So a lot of the Ephesian believers, they don't know where they fit in. They're kind of in between those spaces. And, and Paul takes an interesting tactic with them. He tells them to remember. To remember that they used to not know God. They used to not have the hope of Jesus. And to remember that they once were lost. Um, I want to reread 11 through 12. Therefore remember that formerly you who were called Gentiles by birth and uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Uh, uh, Paul wanted the Ephesians to remember that the alienation and hopelessness that they felt before they knew Christ. He wanted them to remember that. He wanted them to feel the heartache and loneliness and to remember those times when they were broken and hurt and didn't feel like they belonged anywhere. He wanted them to remember times when they felt hopeless and helpless. He doesn't want them to forget those feelings. He doesn't want to forget them to forget their past because when you don't remember where you came from, it's easy to lose sight of where you are. When you forget your origin, it distorts your understanding of how far you have come and where you are now. Um, I used to really be into music. I, and I still really like music, but you know, I'm just old now. I just can't keep up. Um, but I'll, I'll, a lot more. But whenever there was a band I liked, and they would sign to a major record label um, or start to make it big, there'd always be like this fear, right? We'd always like talk like, uh, "Are they going to sell out? Are they going to get all wishy-washy, lose their edge?" I forget what they're about. They're going to make boring music just like everybody else. And that's kind of like what Paul's talking about. Paul specifically warned Ephesians of never losing sight of who they were and where they came from. Remember, don't take it from granted. Don't become entitled. And that line about the circumcision done by human hands, it seems like a subtle Jew dig at those that um, begin to feel entitled by their Jewish identity as God's chosen people. But he also wanted to make it clear to the Ephesians, yes, you were without hope and without God in the world. You were, but that's not, no longer who you are. Um, continuing on, verses 13 through 15. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus does not deny the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. All right? They're different people that come from different places with different things asked of them. All right? Their cultures are different. But through the cross, Jesus draws people that are far from one another to him. And the, the cross is a bridge that allows the reconciliation to happen. Yes, there are real differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. Yes, the Jews have been called to keep a way of life that would be a constant reminder of God's character and goodness. That's something the Gentiles have had to do. But all those laws and covenants of Israel had been pointing to Jesus. Right? Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the other embodiment of the law. Jesus, God in the flesh, is what the law was always leading to, where it was always going. And since Jesus had come, the purpose of being God's chosen people is not to live as a people that pointed to God and God's promises. The point now becomes to be with Jesus, to live with Jesus. 
right? This is Galatians uh, 2, 15 through 16. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. The law doesn't justify. And, and justification is a fancy word that just means forgiven, right? made righteous. Um, the law lets you know when you need to be forgiven, but it doesn't justify. Jesus is the one that forgives. And that forgiveness is for all people, for Jews and for Gentiles. Because it doesn't matter if you need to be forgiven a little or if you need to be forgiven a lot. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when you come to Jesus, there's an admission that you need to be forgiven, that you need to be made right. And through the cross, Jesus makes things right. There is no longer division between Jew and Gentile. All are called to forgiveness. The dividing walls between peoples is bridged through the outstretched, nail-scarred hands of Jesus. And through him, we people, right? We people who were once strangers and foreigners to one another are transformed into family, into one people. All right, we're getting to the end of this chapter. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and so members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that's the truth we're called to live into. We're not strangers. We're not foreigners. We're God's people. And yeah, we do come from different people, right? We're not supposed to forget that. We have different backgrounds. We come from different places, different experiences. But God, Jesus, he invites us into relationship with the Father. And we're made one by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because in Christ, there are no outsiders. The cross of Christ is radically inclusive, right? All have fallen short of God's righteousness. All of us. Right? So all need forgiveness. All are welcome to let their old self die. All are welcome to new life. Right? All are welcome to new life. As part of the kingdom of God. And we're invited to be part of the household, part of the family. Um, when, I, when I was uh, younger, when I was a, a teenager, um, I, I was desperate for family. Um, to, to, to feel like I belong someplace. To have a people. To have a home. Someplace safe. Um, you know, kind of where you can let your guard down. Um, and eventually I found that. I found that in the church. Um, in the body of Christ. And it wasn't always easy. And it wasn't always perfect. It was even hurtful at times. Because um, people aren't perfect. People can be hurtful. Even church people. Um, and the church hurts people. And still kind of hurts people. I know it's hurt me. It's probably hurt some of you. But it can also be really good. At its best, it can be really good. And that's what it's meant to be. That's what it's called to be. Um, and it's how God has chosen to display his rule and his reign and his love on the earth, right? Through perfect, broken, imperfect people coming together and being family, learning how to be family together. The church can be good. It can be so good. Um, a little over a year after I became a Christian, my father kicked me out, right? And as part of my new faith, um, well, part, part of my new faith actually was teenage rebellion because uh, 
because my dad was very anti-religious and so um, that, that was just kind of part of it honestly um, but when after he kicked me out when I didn't have a home it was the church that took me in okay um, it's actually a specific church right down the highway um, First Baptist Church of Birchwood or we used to call it Birchwood Barely Baptist um, 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 but now it's called the crossing but that's what we used to call it um, that church is still there in North Birchwood and that church showed me what family is after my father kicked me out the parents of various kids in the youth group um, they let me stay with them for a few weeks or a month uh, maybe two and, and eventually a family that didn't even know me but knew me by reputation asked the pastor about my situation and then they felt convicted to let me move in with them um, they built me um, a room in their house like literally built me a room in their house and they made me part of their family they gave me a safe place they accepted me and it was a struggle because they, they didn't have any boys um, it was a house of all girls um, and they didn't know what it was like having a 17 year old teenage boy <laughs> and uh, and I didn't know how to be part of a family either but we learned together and it wasn't all sunshine and roses but it taught me what it meant for the church to be a home to be a place where you belonged and it taught me how to be a part of the household of God and that's my prayer for us that we can learn to be God's household together right that the things um, we may always know to whom we belong uh, because the world will always look at us right the church will always or the world will always look will always look and will always see differences and and those differences can easily become places of shame and of hurt and then in fact I would say that there are principalities and powers in this world they'll actively try to turn those things we cannot change into accusations and shame and they'll say that you do not belong you do not have many people and we're called to remember that yeah you're right but that's who I was that's our past but that's not the future because we're part of God's household and we together are the home that God's building right all of us together we are the home that God's building and so what does that mean it means that together together you you're the home that God's building the place where God resides where God is embodied where his spirit dwells you together are where God's presence is being renewed and restored and you together is where God's promises are being fulfilled where the kingdom of God is displayed we together is where, where, where justice is supposed to reign, where love lies, right? Because we're together, we're, we're, we're the home that God's building. And so we practice being the home. We take time, okay? We don't do it. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable, you know? I know some people are like, oh, oh I love to talk and say, well, what makes me you know, think of home? And some people are like, really? I think I need to go to the bathroom, you know? And uh, so it's awkward. It's weird. Um, you know, coming to potluck. You're like, oh, I gotta wake up a little early, earlier to do this. Maybe you do. It's part of practicing being a family. It's part of learning how to be a family together. So it's learning how to love one another, learning how to think of other people, learning how to orient your life within the community. And that's what it means to be the church, right? to be part of a family, to be part the household of God because you are the home that God is building for himself the temple and we remember we remember that that once we were without hope once we were without God 
but because of the blood of Christ, those who are far have been brought near. And we can live into our future. That we are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And we belong to God. I belong to God, and you belong to God, and we are the home that God is building, his temple for himself. Let's pray. Holy Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your words. And Lord, I, I know that, um, that, that we all have things that, that make it hard and, and difficult sometimes for us to, to be part of a family. And Lord, I, um, I acknowledge that, and I know that, but teach us how to be one anyway. Teach us how to care for one another. Teach us how to love one another. Teach us how to look out for one another. Teach us how to have eyes to see one another. Teach us to have ears to hear one another. And teach us to live in the manner which shows that we are one people, that we're not who we were. And despite from coming all different places and having all different sorts of experiences, and even really like thinking all sorts of different thoughts and having different you know, political beliefs and different whatever, you know, different economic backgrounds, whatever, different um, ethnic groups, different, different everything different everything that we belong to one another that we're family in Christ's name Amen